Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and the initial wave of free agency has come and gone as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 95. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with a newcomer to the podcast, Dan Durkin, who covers the Chicago Bears for The Athletic from an All-22 perspective. And I wanted to get Dan's thoughts on Alshon Jeffrey and the impact that the dynamic receiver can have on an NFL offense. Next up, we've got Scouting Report, where earlier today I went to Twitter to find out who all of you wanted to hear my notes on as we get closer to the NFL draft at the end of April. You guys suggested a prospect that I've gotten a ton of questions about, and I am personally am very excited about, so I'm glad I'll be able to talk about him on today's show. But before we get into all that, I want to first dive into the team's activity over the last few days on the free agent market. I wrote a piece that's up on PhiladelphiaEagles.com right now on both Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey, so go take a look at that. I pulled some All-22 from the Chicago Bears as well as the San Francisco 49ers, give you an idea of what those physical skill sets look like between Torrey and Alshon. But let's first talk about the addition of Nick Foles, who the Eagles agreed to terms with on Monday morning. Obviously, everybody upstairs is familiar with Nick, from Howie Roseman to Doug Peterson, who was the quarterback's coach here when Nick was drafted in 2012. His arrival makes a ton of sense, as the Eagles only have two quarterbacks on the roster. I'm also very intrigued by the addition of Chance Warmack, former top 10 pick. I loved him coming out of Alabama a few years back. His reunion with Jeff Stoutland has plenty of upside for the Eagles. If Coach is able to get the most out of him, I think that spells really good things for this offensive line moving forward. Torrey Smith certainly brings a level of verticality to this offense that it really lacked a year ago. I'm excited to see some of the Eagles' three-level stretch plays with Smith taking the top off the defense, creating some room underneath for receivers to do some damage, whether it's Jordan Matthews or Zach Gertz or Jeffrey. Anybody over the middle is really going to benefit from Torrey Smith's presence, so I'm really excited about that. Then you have Alshon, who's a strong presence on the perimeter, guy that can go up and attack the football as well as anyone in the league. I've liked his skill set for a long time now, going back to his college years, going back to South Carolina. But let's go. I don't want to spoil any more. Let's not waste any time. Dan Durkin and I talk about the impact of an Alshon Jeffrey on this Eagles offense after covering him for his entire career in Chicago. Let's get to that now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Really excited to be joined by a guy that I know covers the Bears as well as anybody out there in Chicago, Dan Durkin, who covers the team for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at DJ Durkin. Dan, appreciate the time here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah, Fran, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our chat. Absolutely. So really the the big thing, obviously, that everybody wants to know is how can Alshon Jeffrey impact Carson Wentz and the rest of the Eagles offense in 2017? You've covered him throughout his career out there in Chicago. So let's start with that. Where do you think that he can have the biggest impact? Not just, you know, we won't speak necessarily to the Eagles, but when you've seen him and everything was clicking in Chicago, where does he have the biggest impact in your mind in the passing game? I think the the deep portion when you if you're going to split it up into thirds you're talking about like the short the intermediate and the deep zones that you can attack a defense 
his ability to really, I guess, be sneaky fast and stack on top of defensive backs is really what made him stand out here in Chicago. Uh, his ability to really use his, his body to shield defenders from the ball uh, was a huge asset. You know, talking about like a 16-yard comeback or some of the nines that he ran really positions his body well. I think that he picked up a lot of uh, tips and tricks from Brandon Marshall, who is as crafty a veteran as you're going to find in terms of how he uses his elbows and his hands to separate and not really make it obvious when he's creating that separation uh, for, for a quarterback to find and, uh, to find the window to get the ball into. But um, Alshon's deep ability in terms of just like timing 50-50 balls and his catch radius at that point in time is, is pretty, pretty stellar. You look about what he's able to do in the, in the, uh, in the red zone, not only as a targeted um, you know, like the, uh, uh, receiver on that particular play, but his ability to draw coverage. I always refer to Alshon as a coverage-dictating receiver, and when Brandon left and he was put into that number one role, he definitely emerged in that. So not only is he able to win and contest situations in single or double coverage, he creates singles for the rest of his receivers, and I think that's going to be a huge asset for the Eagles as they use him as a decoy to pry other people open. Yeah, I'm really interested in that point of it, too, because now not only did the Eagles add uh, an Alshon Jeffrey, but they also added a vertical element with a Torrey Smith. Was there ever anybody that he was put on the other side that had that kind of explosive speed, that low 4-4 ability? I'm not sure where Devin Hester kind of was in his prime in, in relation to Alshon. Did he ever have that kind of explosive threat on the other side of him across the field? It was supposed to be Kevin White. To answer your question, no, it was supposed to be Kevin White, but obviously Kevin White's been hurt over the first two uh, you know, seasons of his NFL career, so he really hasn't had that deep threat compliment. And, I mean, like I said about Alshon, he's a strider. He, he's not a guy who's going to just you know, blow a guy off the line of scrimmage and stack on top of him that way. He is sneaky fast, so he's deceptively fast. takes very, very long strides. He can get on top of uh, defensive backs very easily. But um, I think that having somebody like Torrey Smith to take advantage of those, you know, like if the middle of the field's open, you're running a deep post, and all of a sudden you're getting safety attention to Alshon. He creates so many two-over-one situations that I think that somebody like Doug Peterson is really going to be able to scheme a lot of opportunities for the people around him. I go back to one of the first All-22s I did. It was actually in the first touchdown that the Bears scored this season against the Houston Texans, and it was all about Alshon's ability to be that coverage-dictating receiver that I was talking about. So basically the, the, the Texans showed a, a too-high look at the beginning of the snap, at the at pre-snap look, and then after the, the snap, they did a cover for Buzz. So they, they had Quinton Demps roll underneath into the flats, underneath where Alshon was, to take away any of those inside breaking routes, which left Eddie Royal wide open up the middle of the seam. So his ability to get other people open and then create opportunities, it, it's just so valuable for an offense when you talk about what they're able to do uh, in the red zone and just in third down situations. He's a guy, he being Alshon, he's a guy I've advocated for more than any other. The Bears have had a very difficult time identifying playmakers in the draft. He's one of the few that they've really hit on. So I thought for sure that the Bears would potentially tag him again to at least try and trade him. You need to protect your assets. So this is a huge loss for the Bears offense. I know they've gone out and made a couple signings in free agency, but nothing's going to stack up to the productivity that Alshon had. Yes, he has some nagging issues when it comes to keeping his body right. I think that an underreported aspect of Alshon is Brandon Marshall's departure because he taught Alshon on how to be a pro. He taught Alshon how to keep his body right. So that's one of the things for people to definitely monitor. But um, Alshon is a guy who is proven when he has a chance. He's a number one target. I think that he's going to have a much better quarterback. He's going to have better complementary pieces around him. Probably has a better set of coaches to work with. So I think that this is a huge win for the, the Eagles when it comes to landing him 
in free agency. Yeah, I love all the stuff, too, about how well he was able to really kind of boost the effectiveness of some of those complementary pieces there in Chicago. The Eagles, for the last few years, have had a host of complementary players. You, know, you look at Jordan Matthews and Zach Gertz and Trey Burton and Nelson Aguilar. All these guys can really kind of fit a role in an offense. Maybe they're not the guy, but now when you have a player like Alshon and then you have the vertical speed of a guy like a Torrey Smith, I'm very, very excited to see how the the arrival of both those players will impact the rest of this receiving core here for Carson Wentz. Here, here's a question for you, Dan. When you look at Alshon, and obviously, look, all the receivers, they're going to run the full route tree. But when you look at him, and you mentioned the the, the fade balls, the, the, the vertical element, were there other routes where you saw that Alshon was particularly effective in uh, over the course of his career in Chicago? Yeah, he fearless over the middle of the field. If you even go back to his time at, um, at South Carolina, they ran a lot of double posts with him. So his ability and his willingness to go over the middle of the field, knowing that there's going to be a safety lurking over the top, uh, you know, is something that carried over into his NFL career as well. So a lot of dig routes, a lot of timing routes on stop routes. So let's say it's a third and long situation. He can sell that nine and then break it off and then turn back to the sideline and you know, catch the ball there. So I think that um, his ability to really kind of win in that move area he, he quieted down his body a lot. I think at the beginning portion of his career, he tipped his routes a lot. When he was coming into his break, he used, it looked like he was paddling a boat, like using his hands too much, and so that signaled to the defender, hey, look, this guy's going to be making his break now. So Alshon has really honed his craft. And I think in, in particular, you look to that 12- to 16-yard area, he's willing to run a dig, he's willing to run a post, he's going to run a comeback, he's going to run a stop, or if you're going to bite on that, he can, get, he can get vertically on you now as well. So when I think about where he's really most effective, it's at the top of the route tree in that deep in the deep passing zone right there. Really fearless receiver over the middle of the field. I will say that much about Alshon, and he's a great hand catcher. I think that that's a very underrated and seems like an elementary trait for receivers nowadays. But so many guys pin the ball against their body. Alshon has big hands. He uses his hands well, and he catches the ball away from his frame. So you don't see a lot of tip passes when the ball's thrown in his direction. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up, Dan, because that was going to be my very next question. Was uh, when the Eagles announced that they signed Alshon and they signed that they or announced that they signed Torrey Smith. A lot of the reaction that that we got on the at Eagles account on Twitter, as well as on my account, was, "Oh well, you know, how consistent are they at the catch point? Are there are there issues with drops? Because that has been uh, something that has plagued the Eagles' receiving core over the last two or three seasons." I know I've seen some stats out there. I know uh, Tim McManus, who covers the team for ESPN, put out that Alshon was only tagged for one drop last year. Over the course of his career, what has he been like in terms of his reliability at the catch point? Obviously, I watch games here and there. I study what I can, but you covering the team and being around him, has that been, how reliable has he been week in, week out, year in, year out over his career at the catch point? Oh, very. I mean, I, I go back to, I think it was 2015, um, he dropped a third down. It was either a third or a fourth down. It was, uh, the Bears were in a potential, I think it was either like um, game-tying or game-winning drive at the end of the game, and he missed a pass. It, it hit him right in his hands, and I mean, he was crushed in the locker room. He was absolutely crushed in the locker room after the game. He, he takes his profession very seriously when it comes to his performance. He's a very shy guy. He's a very quiet guy, but I mean, he's very cerebral. You talk to his, uh, 
his teammates about it. Um, you know, he, he definitely knows the game. He understands the game well. But I remember that particular play well just because it was so unusual. I mean, he has huge hands, and he uses them so well. He wears, maybe he'll wear them in, in Philadelphia. He wears big white gloves, so they really stand out there on the field, especially you know, when, the, when the Bears are playing. Um, his ability to really just grasp the ball, like I said, contested situations, be it over the middle of the field or deep, he's as reliable as it gets. If, you, if he gets his, ball in the, his hands on the ball, chances are he's coming down with it. All right, Dan. So last thing, just really, I just want to kind of sum it all up. So what you're telling me is that he's got a vertical element to his game. Was very productive downfield. He got better as a route runner throughout the course of his career. Has been extremely effective and reliable at the catch point. Can win in those fifty-fifty situations. He's able to dictate coverage and draw coverage away from other players in the field. Where where are the weaknesses? What what am I missing here with Alshon Jeffrey that uh, maybe the is what kept the Bears from kind of re-signing him long term? Because it seems like the Eagles are are getting a, obviously a great addition, and we're all very very excited. But uh, is there anything I'm missing here with Alshon? Yeah, the the thing that uh, this particular staff, so you think about the Bears went went through a new regime when Alshon first got here, uh, or I'm sorry, when John Fox and Ryan Pace first got here, Alshon was heading into his second basically contract here. So when I think about what he signed with the Eagles, this is his third straight contract here. He was franchise tagged the, the previous year. He was in the last year of his rookie deal the year before that. So the biggest issue for Alshon under the new regime of Fox and Pace has been his availability. You go back to the 2015 season, he had nagging injuries that entire year. He had a calf injury that started in training camp, which lingered throughout the season. He missed seven starts that year due to that particular injury. But when he was on the field, I think he averaged almost 81 yards per game. So, I mean, he was, I think, the seventh highest yards per game receiver in the league that year, but he was only on for nine games. And so people were wondering, hey, look, this guy's in a chance to really cash in on the season. Why didn't he get his body right? So that was a, a big knock against him. And then this past year, he got hit for a PED suspension, and people speculated might he have gotten that PED suspension because he took something to keep his body right from what he had the previous year. So availability has been the biggest thing for Alshon. You're definitely going to get a motivated player coming into another contract year. This is only a one-year deal, but uh, his ability to be on the field is going to be the biggest thing for him to prove this year in Philadelphia. Certainly, right. Coming in, you mentioned another contract year, another opportunity to prove himself. He certainly mentioned here, not just in the press conference, but also in studio, how motivated, how hungry he is to prove himself and how he bet on himself in this free agent process. So everybody very, very excited to see what he's going to do with Carson Wentz, with Torrey Smith, and the rest of this Eagles offense in 2017. Dan, appreciate the time here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We will talk to you again soon, my man. Thanks so much, Brent. Have a great day. Great stuff from Dan. Again, you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at DJ Durkin. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that gets produced here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the others, to go on iTunes or Stitcher, give us a rating and leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to Colt for STL, who rated the show, left a comment on our iTunes page saying how much you don't need to be an Eagles fan to listen to the show. And I appreciate that because we do try and cater to all football fans, even though we do pay special extra attention to our Philadelphia Eagles. So thanks to Colt for STL and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Okay, let's keep this show going. I told you earlier I would get to my notes on a really intriguing prospect of your choosing. So let's get to that player now in our scouting report. 
Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so this week on Scouting Report, I wanted to talk about Alabama cornerback Marlon Humphrey. Six foot and a quarter, 197 pounds. He's got good size, long arms. He came out this year as a redshirt sophomore, was a two-year starter for Nick Saban, was a freshman all-SEC pick in 2015. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, top track athlete as well. I love his gene pool. His dad, Bobby, was a former first-round pick by the Denver Broncos out of Alabama. His mother was a track star at UAB, set the 400-meter record there on the track so you love the the gene pool that Marlon Humphrey comes from but when you look at him on tape again you see a two-year starter at left corner for Nick Saban he played some press he played some off a lot of man a lot of zone good mix of what they did coverage wise out in the perimeter down there in the secondary and he did travel at times into the slot or to the other side of the field depending on the opponent and the formation in press he's really aggressive at the line of scrimmage he uses his length to disrupt early in the down, while also having the quickness in the first five yards to stay on top of his man, which is a little bit underrated. It's not just about you know the ability to disrupt early, but also to mate, to stay in that receiver's hip pocket, and he had that ability to do that within the first five yards. He's able to flip his hips and turn and run with receivers downfield. He's a little bit twitchier than I thought he'd be based off watching Alabama on TV. He was a lot more athletic than I thought when I went back and studied him. He's got the quickness to hip pocket with receivers at every level. He understands his role in their coverage concepts and knows how to play to his help, use leverage to his advantage in the secondary. He does a great job with his look and lean and staying in phase downfield. What do I mean by that? When a receiver is running vertically, He's got the ability to keep one hand on the receiver, get his eyes back, and look for the football. Now the question with him, and we'll get to this in a little bit, is his finding the ball late when he's out of phase. But we'll get to that in a little bit. He, like I said, he does a good job with that look and lean. Saying that he's a physical presence on the perimeter would be an understatement. He is ferocious when it comes to mixing it up with receivers in the run game. Very good tackler, attacks blocks with a fury, and he displays rare ability for a corner to come from distance and make a stop in the run game in stride. He looks like a safety at times running the alley. He's a huge hitter that will come downhill and lay the wood on a ball carrier. Now, he is definitely more comfortable playing press than he is in off coverage. He looks a little bit stiff at times, turning his hips from that spot. My question with him ultimately, and this is what I mentioned, at times he was a little bit late to turn and find the ball downfield at times. And to me, that's a little bit of a natural thing from a ball skills respect. A little bit late when he's out of phase, you know, when, his, when he's got his eyes on the receiver downfield, trying to find the ball late can be a little bit of a struggle for him. How well does he react to routes at the top of the receiver's stem? Is he loose enough to hip pocket downfield? Those were big questions for me. And I'll tell you what, I was a little bit worried to see how he would test overall. I knew that he would have top-end speed. You know, I knew that he would run the 40 well. He confirmed that with a 4-4-1 at the combine. But I wanted to see how athletic he was overall. I'll say what, he came through with the combine, man. I mean, he had a really strong score across the board, whether it was in the jumps, the agility drills, his spark score. And for those of you not familiar with spark, it's a formula that measures athletic performance based off those combine numbers. And it's done over by the folks like Zach Whitman over at 3sigmaathlete.com. His score there was very, very high. So any questions about his overall athleticism, I think, can be put to bed. So when you look at Humphrey overall, I think he's kind of unique in that he's so good against the run. He's got great speed. He's a good athlete. He's instinctive. He's really tough. I do think he's got the, the tools athletically to stick a corner. It wouldn't shock me at all if some teams viewed him as a long-term safety, but I do think with the next four, five, six years, I do think he's an NFL corner. He really, really excites me. I think he is 
is going to be a lock for the first round of this draft and potentially even the top 20. So it would not surprise me at all if Humphrey were in the mix for any team, including the Eagles, there in the top 15 of this draft. So uh, great stuff from Dan Durkin and everybody here on this podcast. And, again, all of you out there listening, whether you're on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And, again, if you get the time, rate the show, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. It's a great spot. If you want to hear a certain player on Scouting Report, if you have a question about a player or scheme or anything related to the Eagles, go online. Go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, leave us a comment, and then it'll get answered here on the podcast. And it's a great way to also support the show, get more eyeballs on it, get more ears on it, and it's a great way to help and give back to the PhiladelphiaEagles.com. So wherever you listen, just go shoot us a comment, and we can keep making this show better each and every week. All that being said, another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.